It's like a week of flu games for Derek Wetmore. He's just resuscitating himself in the morning. It's a, it's a Jordan-like week. Derek is at JetBlue. Are you flying out today? Is this your last day in Fort Myers or tomorrow? Last day in Fort Myers, but I got the uh, early morning flight tomorrow. Yeah, you sound you, okay. You don't sound so bad. You sound very nasally. Well, I'm really, yeah, I'm, I'm putting on a good fight, Judd. Uh, it's, uh, yesterday you would not have wanted to talk to me. Today, maybe that's just a little bit less the case. That's my hope yeah. anyway. Let's start with the Dozier stuff because uh, this will be Derek's first chance to chime in on this for the week here. So Brian Dozier's in his prime. He turns 31 years old in May. And he is, according to wins above replacement, if you want to use that as an all-encompassing offensive-defensive measurement, the 14th best position player in the league the last four years. So he's one of the best in the league. The eye test shows that. Twins fans can see that. Does it rub you the wrong way on behalf of Dozier that there's been no discussions about a contract extension? It's not even about like money that they're haggling over. They haven't even had a discussion with him yet. Yeah, I think... He's well within his rights to be pretty frustrated about that. And honestly, Phil, I think Twins fans do too. As a guy who does not play this card very often, um, I think this is a clear case of being cheap. I think that it is a situation where, look, if he wants like a six-year deal and $120 million or just some ridiculous figure, then look, I'm not going to blame anybody for backing away from the poker table and saying, we'll go get a more affordable alternative somewhere else, whether it's in free agency where guys are struggling to get deals, whether it's in a trade or whether it's just promoting a guy like Nick Gordon and playing second base for you. I wouldn't blame them for finding a cheaper alternative, but to not explore the possibility or to not even consider like a three-year deal for a guy who's been your best player. Yeah, I, I could see why he'd be upset and I can see why fans would be irked too. Now, my point is this in defending the team though, Derek, when you look at at the market that we're coming off of and how it yeah. dried up, if I'm the Twins, one, one, there is still time to approach him. It's not done yet. And two is, if I'm Falvey, I'm saying to myself, okay, I could go talk to him right now, and I could lowball him, and he might take it. He probably won't. Or, or I could just wait. And if things don't go like I expect, I could potentially trade him. If he's going well, you know what? I pony up in June or July and and offer but worst case is if i don't he goes to market and there are a there are a handful full of guys who next winter are going to get paid led by harper i get that but dozier's going to fall sort of in that next camp and there's a good there's a decent chance that the market is going to be soft again in which case i could very much go back and probably get him back yeah i don't think that it's done by any means that dozier's not going to be a minnesota twin for life but that's my point judd is that's being cheap you you are waiting to see that you get the best possible deal. And, look, I've argued in favor of that for a long time, basically since I've been writing about baseball. Mm-hmm. But I do I, – I start to feel almost a little guilty in that the uh, sort of stats head discourse has driven this market in this way. Now all 30 major league teams are being run in a way <laughs> that you're just trying to maximize every dollar spent in terms of wins on the field. And and I get that. I think it's all about efficiency, especially for a mid- or small-market team. But I also think there's something to be said for, well, he's a good player, and you can just get this deal done, especially if it's a short term and it's not going to hamper you. Look, I totally understand the Twins could probably get a better deal. Look, uh, who's still out there right now? Neil Walker's looking for a job. He's not as good as Brian Dozier, but he's like some percentage good as Brian Dozier. If you could get him for two million bucks, 
that's a better deal than signing some rich contract for Dozier. So I think there are two parallel conversations here. One is, would it be a good deal to sign him? Would it make absolute financial sense? No, I could give you five reasons right now why you wouldn't sign Brian Dozier to a contract extension. The parallel conversation is, yeah, but you can afford it. He's one of your best and most popular players. It wouldn't hamper you for the long term to still go after free agents next next winter. So, I, look, I don't think that I blame the Twins for not making a run, but I think you could also very fairly cast the criticism that this is flat out being cheap. You know, the, the other conversation, I can't tell if it's just made-up speculation, reckless speculation by you and Mike Berardino and the other Twins writers. It's just been a month, and you're scratching and clawing. But this Byron Buxton extension concept, is that something... It's definitely a thing where front offices try to lock up young talent to buy out some of their free agent years. A, is that an actual thing that is brewing behind the scenes? And B, whether it is or isn't, what would a fair contract look like, Derek? That's something I'm working through right now because I'm actually curious to know what a Brian or what a excuse me Byron Buxton extension might look like from a Twins perspective. I told you guys last week that it makes all kinds of sense for them to want to do that. Guy shows signs of that his breakout is real, some sustained success. One of the best defensive players in baseball. You expect that for the next five, six, seven years those skills won't slump. And if you believe enough in the bat, it's basically taking a calculated risk by saying, okay, we'll pay you a little bit more than you would have made in arbitration, and as our benefit, we get some of your free agent years. Teams teams have tried to do that for a long time. Um, But whether it's real or not, I can tell you that it's something they would think about, that they would entertain. But you look at the deals that get done now, Phil, it's much, much less than what you would have seen five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. Uh, Francisco Lindor was reportedly approached by the Indians over the winter, say, hey, you want to make a multi-year deal where we buy some of your free agents and we'll pay you $100 million plus? And his camp said, that's a generous offer, but no thanks. We're going to play this thing out. Because I think players and their agents are getting smart to the idea that the real money is made in free agency, especially for guys who get to the big leagues very young. If you get there when you're 25, man, that gets tough to make money because teams are going to argue with you in free agency that you're 31 and you're on the downslide. But if you get to the big leagues at 21, you've got some peak earning potential. That's why Manny Machado is going to get paid. That's why Bryce Harper is going to get paid. I don't necessarily think that he's in that same class of player necessarily, but that's why I told you guys last week that if I'm Buxton, man, I'm not taking a deal like that unless it's absolutely loaded uh, in terms of years and dollars because the earning potential is just so much greater if you get to free agency rather than letting a team buy out your free agent years. So uh, to circle back on something that you brought up before, explain this. When when you talk about uh, the perception of, of guys on the market right now and, and how baseball executives have certainly evolved and changed, what do you think the perception is of, of players? And what now constitutes a player that is considered a, a desirable guy to sign to a contract? Because yeah. I, I think that I think when we're talking about the guys who were late to sign and, and or have not signed by this point, that's definitely a, a shift in philosophy from what we would have seen, let's say, five to ten years back. Well, I agree with you. I think that I hate to use the word, but players are seen now as commodities where you're just playing board games and figuring out 
what's our optimal strategy to employ to win as many games as we can as affordably as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a smart way to run teams. It's how teams should run. Here are the rules. Play the game as uh, you know competitively as you can. And I think that this is, this is going to be a problem for the players because the guys that you want to pay, we talk about this with prospects all the time where there's like the high ceiling guys who you're not sure about. There's what I call a high variance where they could be a multi-year all-star or they could flame out in double-A and not make the big leagues. That's a, that's a really high ceiling and a really low floor. The guys that you try to pay, Judd, are the guys that are at that, they have that high upside potential, which Byron Buxton clearly has demonstrated, but then they also have this very, very small degree of risk. Like, right now you would say that Miguel Sano has this great upside but there's also this huge amount of uncertainty and risk and variance involved. If you were to give him a seven-year deal, I'd feel much less confident about that right now than you would about Byron Buxton. Just knowing what we know on this very day, March 7th, the teams or the excuse me, the players that teams are trying to sign are not only those great players, but they're also the face of franchise type players who you, you know that you can trust. You can say, hey, for seven years we can give you all this money. We know that everything's going to be solid, that you're going to continue to work to improve yourself all the time. You're going to be a good ambassador for our club. And on top of that, you're going to be a great player. There's very few of those guys, but it does turn out to be a really great deal for the teams if you can lock that guy up and you know he's going to be a twin for whatever, five, six, seven more years. So you can kind of plant your flag in a guy like Byron Buxton. Uh, so Derek Wetmore is down in Fort Myers here. This is his last day here. He's been down there for a month. And he's crawling to the finish line with flu-like symptoms. But you can find all of his work at 1500ESPN.com and also on the Touch Em All podcast. The Twins made uh, a round of cuts today. So if there's anyone that stands out in that group, I want to ask you about Zach Littell, who the Twins acquired in that Jaime Garcia trade last year. So he went 19-1 and between single-A and double-A last year, a 2.12 earned run average, a strikeout per inning and uh, and looked great numbers wise across the board. I've never seen the guy pitch. He's twenty one years old. But what are people saying about him? He was cut today, but it, he might maybe surface later this season. He was cut. Keep in mind, some of those cuts are just because they need to get guys over to the minor league side, yeah. so that they can start building up their innings for their season to start, and so they can free up some innings over here on the major league side. Like Phil Hughes is going to throw a side instead of throwing in a game in part because he just wants to work on his stuff, but I'd bet you also in part because they're just looking for innings for this starting competition. So Littell was a victim of that cut, along with guys like Felix Jorge, Dietrich Enns, and uh, and Lewis Thorpe was the other pitcher sent out. But Littell is an interesting one because it's not like he was you know, a top-ten prospect. It's not a guy that prospect wonks are, are thumping their chest about saying, this guy is going to be great, but he succeeded at double-A, not just with 19 wins, but his peripheral stats are really good, too. And that's at a very young age. It's not like he's one of those guys that in his mid-20s is beating up on kids in double-A. He's a young guy for that league. Uh, I talked with our minor league guy, Jake Depew, here for a podcast uh, the other day when he was down in Fort Myers. And he said that just talking with evaluators, Littell might be one of those guys with just three pitches that could be major league average. And, and that sort of profiles to a you know, four or five kind of starter, number four, number five, which sounds like criticism, but really it's not. If if you can be that kind of a pitcher, uh, that has all kinds of values. Teams will take that all day. 
to fill out a starting rotation. I don't think he necessarily climbs the target field this year, again, because he's so young and there's depth in front of him. But it wouldn't be shocking at all to see him in the rotation next year. And uh, and the only thing that we know so far about him is that he succeeded all along the way. And clearly, uh, the Falvey-led regime was targeting him in that trade. So um, not not like earth-shattering roster news today, but... Those are some names to definitely keep an eye on. And I think Zach Littell might be in the front of that line. Are we getting a bullpen cart? That's the only thing I care about. Before you come back, I want you to find Falvey, Levine, St. Peter. I don't care. Pull at who it is. I want to know, are we, now that the Diamondbacks have pulled the trigger, are we getting the yeah. bullpen cart that I've wanted for five years? I don't have the answer to that, Judd, but I think <laughs> if you line up a sponsor, it's a done deal. <laughs> I mean, we could probably look at that for 1500 ESPN's hallways. Lending. They might be involved. Who knows? Well, Prime mortgage lending. Why not? Your sponsors off. Why, not? Years. Why not? I want Judd to get the credit for this. Wow. Perk, too. Perk, well, Perk's Perk was, the one who brought it up a few years ago. Perk did show. as well. So, yep. yes, exactly. I need to drive, right? Yes. 30 games. I'm in. No more than drunk, 30. Drunk no, for 15 I'll stay, of them. No, I'll stay sober for the 30 games. Derek, goodbye. Good stuff. See you later. Travel Thanks. safely, Wetmore. I'll see you guys in the Twin Cities. All, All right, right. Bye, guys. Wetmore from 1500ESPN.com and the Touch Em All podcast. Not much to ask, is it? 30 games.